0: Welcome to Invisible Giants, the podcast where we aim to highlight the unsung heroes of Minnesota's unheralded business leaders. You know, the ones you don't hear about every day on LinkedIn. I'm your host, Dietrich Jessen, and we are glad you have joined us for today's episode. Today we're going to focus on one of our beloved cities in this region, Minneapolis. This city is home to so many sports teams, corporations, musical groups, and tourist attractions. There are plenty of people that don't know about what it takes behind the scenes to make Minneapolis a fun place to visit. To talk more about this work, we're excited to welcome Jen Shaw, Director of Partnership Marketing for Meet Minneapolis to this episode. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. So before we get started, tell us a little more about yourself, your background, where you're from, and and where you are today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I have lived in Minneapolis for 23 years. Wow. Wow. I lived in St. Paul for like five, but that doesn't really count. Um, (laughs) I moved here when I was 18 years old for college. So I actually went to the University of Minnesota. So now I've lived here more than half my life. So I feel like I can say that I'm from here almost. Yeah. Um, I, let's see, what can I tell you? I live in Northeast Minneapolis, a neighborhood that's really known for kind of the arts district and uh, kind of cultural um districts, lots of great food, um, you know, diverse populations. I work for Meet Minneapolis, which is a convention and visitors bureau for the city. So what a great job to be able to sell and market and talk about the city in which you live, in which you work, in which you play, mm-hmm. uh, in which you do everything. It's basically like the most amazing opportunity to be able to sell something you feel so passionate about. I yeah. think especially in Minnesota, um it's what's interesting is you're not from here so to talk about this with you is so great (laughs) but the uh, the um, the tie that people have to uh, where they're from or where they live the Minnesota pride brand is huge Um, as someone that's an outsider well not for 23 years but for someone who moved here I find it really fascinating that when people travel who live here they say that they're from Minnesota They don't necessarily say they're from Minneapolis or St. Paul. Like we had the Minnesota Super Bowl. All of our teams are Minnesota. There's nothing that's specific to Minneapolis. And so we are trying to basically create that brand, um, make people aware of Minneapolis as a destination to live and work and visit and do their business here. and kind of put it on the map. So yeah. I think we've, we're doing a pretty okay job of yeah, that. Yeah, I think so. With the yeah. Super
0: Bowl and Final Four, yeah, these big things coming. The there's a big Lutheran youth gathering that's coming to town. They were I here just, you know? over
1: in July. Yeah, twenty-two thousand uh, youth yeah. Lutherans. Um, so twenty-two thousand, just to give you an idea, we have ninety-three hundred hotel rooms in downtown Minneapolis. So we had to extend. I mean, if you can imagine. 22,000, they were in Bloomington, they were in St. Paul, they were in St. Louis Park, um, and then they bussed in and light railed in and everything to do their big meetings at U.S. Bank Stadium. I remember
0: being a a little high schooler and went to one of those Lutheran youth gatherings in New Orleans. Yeah. I was like, wow.
1: In your matching t-shirt.
0: It's crazy. They're all walking around in their backpacks.
1: It's it's Mm kind of funny.
0: Um, Okay, so you kind of got into it a little bit, but there's people that are listening right now that probably don't know anything about what a convention and visitors bureau does what minneapolis is um it brings a lot of great things to our city um but talk a little bit more about what you do and you can get a little more in depth if you want okay yeah
1: (coughs) excuse me um well i think it's important to first talk about how how we exist um because i think that's really a, a big common misconception is that we're funded by um like we're part of the city or we're you know tax dollar funded and in theory we are funded by tax dollars but it's not the tax dollars of people who necessarily live here so when you come and stay in a hotel this is a very like simple version of it but when you come and stay in a hotel in the city of Minneapolis there is a hotel tax uh, that's generated on your stay you probably see it when you look at the receipt you think what is that for that hotel tax in in this location is collected by the state of Minnesota which is then allocated to the city of Minneapolis through into its general fund, which then comes to us through a contract that we have with the city of Minneapolis that's um, supported by four very specific KPIs that we are tied to and measured on. So we're actually a 501c6, a business nonprofit, think mm-hmm. like a chamber of commerce or anything like that. And so through the contract that we have with the city of Minneapolis, the four KPIs that we are measured on include... Um, Booking $20.5 million of revenue into the Minneapolis Convention Center, which is actually a city owned building. So the city hires us to be their sales and marketing arm for the convention center. Um, KPI two and three have to do with the amount of hotel room nights that we book. Um, so it, between group, convention, as well as leisure travelers. So, you know, someone who's coming for a wedding or to visit friends. Um, 625,000 hotel room nights booked in 2019. So that's not. Room nights that are uh, realizing in 2019, but in subsequent years. Um, and then the fourth KPI is is uh, bringing in 2.7 in private 2.7 million in private revenue. So we do that. We're a membership based organization, so we, um, which is I'll get into that, which is more my role. But um, our members pay dues. We have sponsorship opportunities through the work that we do in our in the convention center. We have a visitor center on the corner of 5th and Nicollet, um, right outside that light rail station right, yeah. there. Um, lots of great Minneapolis and Minnesota tchotchkes. You can get there. We also have a lot of local artisan goods. Um, we partner with Minnesota Makers, which has a permanent store in Robbinsdale and it's all locally made uh, mm-hmm. artist gifts and whatnot. So if you're looking for that special something to get uh, someone who you know loves Minneapolis, you can definitely find it there. Um, And then, you know, through digital marketing and our own assets, as well as some of the groups that we bring into town, there's some sponsorship opportunities around that as well. So those are the KPIs that we're tied to per our contract with the city that gets us the funding that we need to do the work that we do. Outside of that, of course, there is a plethora of things that we do that aren't part of that contract. So if you've ever been to our website and a guarantee everybody has they maybe just don't know that it's our website it's minneapolis.org if you type in you google things to do in minneapolis or you know best sushi in uptown or any of that um we're constantly creating content for how people are searching on google um, so that we can give people who live here work here visit here um relevant information that they're looking for to make sure that their experience here is the absolute best um, we also uh, have a team of folks who are marketing the destination, selling the destination, meaning um, boots on the ground across the country, even internationally to get um, folks to choose to do business here in Minneapolis. So whether that's you know a 50 person family reunion all the way to the 22,000 Lutherans' that were here this summer, um, you know, so local, national, international, Um, we don't have a budget for a large marketing campaign. And you've probably seen like in this market, uh, you know, Portland often comes in and does a big media campaign. So you'll see billboards. There was
0: recently a one for Omaha all over the light rails. I was like, interesting.
1: Omaha. Yeah. Who knew? Let's go to Omaha. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Right. So we don't do that. We don't have the budget to be able to do that. So what we do is we invest in our people. And so the success that we've been able to have is really because, um, people have their boots on the ground and are forming relationships with associations and groups and whatnot to um, bring them in, see Minneapolis and decide that, hey, we want to bring our people here. And you might think like, wow, you know, Min- Minneapolis is, well, I think it's beautiful year round. But for some folks. Um,
0: come a certain, you know, few months out of the year. Yeah,
1: I mean, right. And we have to lean into that, right? right. Because it's a reality. We live here. Um, it snows. It doesn't snow in July. No. But it snows in February and sometimes April um, and sometimes October. Uh, but we're really leaning into that, like from a winter tourism standpoint. And, I, and so that's an initiative of ours as well. We have no problem getting people here between April and October. It's right. kind of that other outside of it. Yeah. Um, as far as what I do specifically um, with the partnership team at Meet Minneapolis, we are basically the connection between local business, our organization, and the groups and uh, business that we're booking into Minneapolis. So, um, you know, restaurants, attractions, hotels, uh, retail, service providers, you know, anybody that's an AV or printing or florists or, you know, event production companies, basically anything that you would think would be relevant to uh, an event, even, Mm -hmm. you know, translators, um, those are our service providers. So they become a member with us because they want to have access to what we're bringing into the city. Right. So they, you know, there are some benefits to that, including um, we create a, a convention calendar that's a, a password-protected document, so folks can see every single group that's coming over the next two years, who their meeting planner is, so they can connect with those folks directly and, you know, pitch their services or you know use it as a prospecting tool. Um, we also send out leads and referrals directly. So as our sales team books, the business, then it moves to our services team. Who's basically the, the folks that are supposed to, you know, make good on everything that the sales team has promised, (laughs) make it a reality. Um, but they're also connecting folks with our partners as well. And, and certainly we, um, talk about everybody, but our partners really get first priority to that, meaning, um, you know, if someone is booking business into Minneapolis, they need an offsite venue and a caterer and or transportation, and they don't want to have to do that work themselves. Which who would want to in a market that they're not familiar with? Um, they go to our services team, who then sends out these leads directly to all of our partners that provide those services, and they're qualified. So then the partner can work directly with the client to, um, you know, potentially submit a proposal or. Um, you know, secure that business. So it's it's we're helping bring business um, not only into the convention center and hotels and venues, but also connecting that on the local level. Um, and the reason why tourism is important is because when folks come in to stay in Minneapolis and they're staying in those hotels, that that entertainment tax or that that hospitality tax that's included, um, that you know that those are incremental tax dollars that help us support infrastructure in the city. So that residents who live and work here, that's not coming out of their own pockets. So you know, um, you'll hear oftentimes, you know, a large event is coming. This is the estimated economic impact that it will have. Those dollars then are being able are able to be used by the city to improve the streets or, right. you know, um, public safety. All of those things that are important, and we would have to do anyway, but they're created by dollars from people who don't live here. So right. Through yeah, those taxes. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. People don't often get that
0: yeah it's really cool about how how you guys are able to tie you know bring a local perspective or a local market into such large-scale events right so you're able to partner with these local organizations that are able to to make these larger events with people that you know aren't from here yeah um, go off well
1: well thank you I appreciate that I mean I think travel has changed and you know I it like Obviously, Airbnb and and Lyft and all these things that have cre- have kind of come to fruition over time, <coughs> excuse me, has changed how people want to travel. And I know I don't know about you, but I'd be interested to hear what your preference is. I think when I travel for business, I'm often in a hotel just because of where the meetings are or whatever. You know, it's it's usually in that same space, so there's a great rate that goes along with that. When I travel for leisure, I'm always in an Airbnb because I want to be yeah, in the neighborhood. I want to experience the location like people who live there experience it. Um, you know, I think when you think traditionally around a downtown, um, how they are set up like the convention center, there's usually a few specific restaurants that you see around mm-hmm. there that are usually pretty the same or in every city. Yeah. Um, you know, but like I want to branch out and, and eat the food and drink the beer and whatnot. That is, is what the people who live there do and experience it that way.
0: Yeah, I think um, since you asked. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I'm more of a, I, I haven't, I've dabbled a little bit with Airbnb. Oh, um, I went on a work trip in June with a colleague and um, we stayed at an Airbnb and that was because we wanted to stay in a neighborhood yeah. and also because, um it's amazing how much conference hotels can get sometimes in certain cities Same. I won't, I won't Especially out the depending city, on how
1: how when you book
0: right and uh, and even further yep. far enough out I mean uh, um, it was amazing it was like three hundred and sixty dollars a night right. for the conference hotel and it wasn't even the best hotel right so then it was kind of like oh we're not staying in this yes. city. you know we're gonna go out and do an Airbnb which ended up being way cheaper Um, but Person, and like it's
1: a totally different experience. Totally right. Like it you was, certainly don't have someone coming in and making your bed and cleaning your room for you every right. day. Yeah, but you yeah, know, it was, was, was nice. You can hang to out on a, a couch. A, yeah, and be in a neighborhood, and right, and,
0: you know, you know, watch your sitcom, and I feel like you're in your right. own home. You know, uh, but like when when I travel and I'm staying in like a Minneapolis or something, and I'm doing a lot of things downtown, yep. I'll usually stay in a hotel right. just because it's yep. it's a l- little more convenient. But I know a lot of people are are moving towards that model of you know Airbnb and. I mean, I Uber everywhere. Right. You know, or Lyft.
1: Yeah, you know. I'm a Lyft gal. So. Yeah, I, d-
0: I do either one. In Minneapolis, I've found a little bit, Uber's a little bit more consistent for me. In really? South Minneapolis, yeah. Like, especially if I'm going to the airport early in the morning. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. It works different for everybody. Yeah,
1: but. well, and, it, and, you know, from a hotel standpoint, like, Airbnb is certainly, um, you know, on the map, but, it, like, by far, people still stay in hotels much yeah. more. Oh, yeah. Um, It's just yeah. a, it's a different thing. Like, my parents will never... Stay in an Airbnb.
0: They don't understand why I go to Starbucks in the morning. Yes. You can make your own pot of coffee at
1: home. Not the same. It's the experience. (laughs) That's what it is. I just was in a marketing summer and they were talking about the experience. It's like the commodity is coffee. Like you could do so many things with that. But you go to Starbucks or whatever coffee shop. Spy House, you know, for that experience. Gray Fox. Gray Fox. In my building every day. They know me by name, uh, which is a curse and a blessing. Um, For the experience. They talked about how... um, you know, Americans are taking less and less vacation. But if you consider vacation as the uh, time that you're not at work or you're not at home, then, like, going to the coffee shop ultimately is, like, a tiny vacation. Right, because it's an experience yes. you're having. and I thought that was really normalcy. interesting. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, good. Um, I wanted to ask a little bit, because I'm sure there's people wondering, you mentioned the Super Bowl. Yes. How does your organization...
1: Do, do that it. yeah like <laughs>
0: who said okay we're bringing the, the super bowl to minnesota <laughs> boom done you know or, or final yeah. four is coming in this you know the year after so how do you do it
1: yes so the process starts usually so for us from a sports entity um so we partner so the vikings um u.s bank state well because actually the super bowl was secured before u.s bank stadium even was built so we secured uh, the Super Bowl in for 2018 in 2014, and so yeah, I know I remember because I was working at a, a completely different job and had wow. no idea that I would even four <laughs> years later be part of that. Um, so wow, what a full circle moment! Um, but yeah, it was when U.S. Bank Stadium had been announced that it was being built, but it hadn't yet started, and so um, that's typically um, something that happens is that the NFL will usually go somewhere um, that you know with a newer stadium or, and whatnot so the Vikings and um, our CEO me, uh, Melvin Tennant from Meet Minneapolis and he's also the executive director of sports Minneapolis which is our um, sports arm so it's a separate organization but it's powered by Meet Minneapolis so we do a lot of shared services uh, w- worked to create a bid. Um, that then they present to the NFL. And so we had uh, a couple of local um, really important business folks. Marilyn Carlson Nelson was involved in that. And um, certainly the Vikings, everybody over there. And so we create basically a bid, bid book that we need to go present. And that's basically like, here's our ideas. Um, this is our, the commitment from the city. This is the commitment from a lot of it is proprietary information, um, you know, based on rates and things and the hotels that we have and venues and all of that. And then um, the NFL basically decides who, you know, there's a top three cities and then it's a big thing. People fly in and they decide who it's going to go to. And so it was like, I can't remember who the other two finalists were, but we were the only statewide entity for that. So Minnesota Super Bowl, like I always talk about this because I find it really fascinating, like you've never heard of the Louisiana Super Bowl right. or the New York Super Bowl or, you know, Wisconsin will never have a Super Bowl. But, you know, like those types of things. It, right. But in Minnesota, for what, for many reasons, um, it was. And it, the most important reason of that is the corporate commitment mm-hmm. that we needed to raise in order to bring that event here. And while we, like the Twin Cities and the metro area is certainly a hub for many headquarter companies here we really needed to take that effort statewide in order to be able to get that and so that's really where that Minnesota Super Bowl came from but I just I think that's just an interesting fact that literally you'll probably never ever hear another Super Bowl referred to by the state right
0: Um, it was always the New Orleans Super Bowl right and it was there a few times but even the
1: teams like think about the teams like it's never I feel like we're the only state that has all of that as a team and I, I do believe that stems from kind of the Scandinavian heritage of, you know, the folks that settled here and, um, you know, it's like no one, we don't need to leave anybody out. Like, let's just all be a nice, happy <laughs> group. Like, no one needs to stand out. Let's right. just all, yeah, so Minnesota. Um, where are you from? Minnesota. Okay, cool. Like, we're within that. Uh, yeah, anyway. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yes, I, it's fascinating to me, though. And so um, from there, when we secured that bid, then we created a, a host committee, so it's a separate LLC, um, and you probably saw all the hoopla, the Minnesota um, Super Bowl host committee. They cre- it's basically like I said, a separate LLC. They bring they create um, an entire staff, and they're the ones that really work to make the event happen. We are part of that, but it's not um, you know all of our staff. So we certainly had folks that were um, on those committees and involved in the planning and process of that. But the interesting thing about creating a host committee and the same thing happened for the Final Four as well, um, is that they're basically a company, but they're doing everything for the first time and they're only doing it once. Right. So Isn't it's they like. Disband, I would imagine. Yes, yep. They dissolve. And so creating like imagine if you had a company where you had to do this and you, you, you never had an opportunity to do the same thing again, but improve upon. Maybe the challenges that you faced and whatnot. So it's you're always kind of recreating the wheel in that regard. And then as far as you know, corporate sponsorship for the Super Bowl, um, they brought in sixty two million in corporate support to be able to make that happen. So it was not only just getting the game here and um, you know paying the staff and you know all of the things that they need to pay for the marketing and all of that. But Super Bowl Live, which was the event that happened on Nicollet Mall, right. that was all driven by the host committee as well. Yeah. So, um, U.S. You know,
0: Bank and Target. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah.
1: And so with the um, with the Super Bowl, uh, you know, so a company like U.S. Bank. Let's see, U.S. Bank's a bad example because they were a different type of partner, but. Um, trying to think who were some of the activations? Polaris was down Mm -hmm. on Nicolette mall. Um, so not only did they have to pay for that opportunity to be on Nicolette mall during that fan fest activation, but then they also had to pay for whatever the activation was that they were doing. So that jump, right? Yep. 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 So, you know, it's a huge investment. Um, clearly it's worth it because what that did for us is it really elevated Minneapolis and Minnesota and St. Paul and Bloomington um, onto the world stage as far as a place where we can not only do this type of event, but we can do it successfully. We can do it when it's negative 20 outside um, and people have fun. And And it really went off without a hitch. And so because that type of event happens, we're able to attract other types of events because you know suddenly Minneapolis is sort of... Uh, top of mind for many folks. And so travel writers really picked up on what we were doing. And suddenly Minneapolis started appearing on places to visit and, you know, the food scene and the music scene. And, you know, clearly those are both really great things about us. But, you know, Condé Nast was picking up stuff about us. Um, Vogue, Esquire, like a lot of uh, national, international media, which was really, really cool. And that's all a result. So it's like it all... um, you know, it's kind of like all boats float sort yep. of thing. Um, the one thing I'll say about large events like that too is, is especially on the local level, um, there there's definitely challenges around that too because um, and I, the NFL especially is a very corporate entity, the mm-hmm. NCAA as well. So they have their own sponsors that are coming in to do their own, you know, private parties and activations, and and that's a that's a certain kind of audience. That, you know, I don't know about your socioeconomic status, but I'm certainly not part of that audience, right? Right. I'm not a millionaire. I don't, like, that's not my jam. Um, I wish it was, but it's (laughs) not. Uh, And so those folks aren't necessarily the same type of person that would, you know, venture into Northeast and, you know, experience the local food scene per se, right? I understand, And especially when you're coming as part of a large event like that, and think about how you travel. If you're going to go to an event like that, there's usually other things that you're already expected to attend, or you know, tied to based on your commitment and whatnot. So, on the local level, it was interesting just to have a lot of conversations with folks who, um, you know, kind of had this expectation that business was going to be amazing, and this was yeah. gonna be great. And while that certainly happened for some folks, like Manny's, oh. blew it out of the water. Like sure. that's so great. But then, like my r- regular coffee shop. Which is in the Skyway at the time when we were officing on this end of town, um, was like really hurting during that 10 days of Super Bowl because employers in downtown had shut down. Yeah, and recommended that their employees work from home. And while I understand the sentiment of that, and you know, nobody wants to get stuck in traffic and whatnot, it really hurt. Kind of our local economy in that way because they weren't even getting their regular customers to come in. So while you know never necessarily expecting that they were going to get a Super Bowl crowd, it was just that they weren't really getting you know their their Gen Shaws visiting them to get coffee. So for the final four, we really worked hard to communicate with business um, to encourage their employees to stay. That this was an exciting time for the city and. What, you know, why wouldn't you want to be a part of that and like experience what's going on and, um, you know, celebrate that because we didn't want to hurt local business in that way. Um, right. you know, it's certainly depending on what you were, you definitely benefited from those events, but we really just wanted to try to equal or equalize that, right. that playing field. So. What
0: how, how much time, what are we at right now for
1: time? I just talked a lot. I'm so sorry. Okay.
0: Okay. We're good. All right. Um. So, can you tell us? Do you have any? Uh, don't divulge any secrets. Okay. But do you have anything else coming to the Twin Cities that's big and fun? That's yeah, you can share? absolutely
1: and certainly no secrets. Um, yes. Yeah, so we have many NCAA events that are on the docket for the next few years. Certainly, um, in March we're actually welcoming the men's uh, wrestling championships, and that's actually taking place at US Bank Stadium. So for wow. the first time. At a at a stadium versus an arena, um, which is really cool because it's actually allowed the NCAA to basically double its audience. Yeah. Um, you know, just based totally. on seats and yeah. whatnot. So um, that'll be huge. There's a there's a really incredible following for the wrestling championships. Who knew? Now everybody knows. Um, but yeah, so like hotels are full, all of that, which is great. Yeah. Um, and we've got the X games for the final year next summer, uh, just over here, at US Bank stadium. And then, uh, let's see, looking into like 2022, I know we have in 2021, we've got a regional men's final four game that will take place here. Um, in 2022, we're hosting the women's, uh, NCAA final four. Oh, that'll be fun. It'll be really fun. It's actually the start of the, um, 50th anniversary of title nine. Oh wow! So being able to incorporate that and, yeah, and um, with women's sport and and whatnot. So and I
0: know in June of twenty because I'm I'm a little bit involved. With yeah. It, but in June of twenty twenty one, another Lutheran youth gathering is coming to U.S. Bank Stadium. You, yeah. These Lutherans just you know multiply it. Luther.
1: Here. I mean I can't. You well, know, wow. true story. <laughs> the Scandinavian. Yes. right. Ole and Lena, right? <laughs> yes. Those jokes. Yes.
0: Well, okay, good. Well, this was fun talking about all this. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's it's amazing to hear all of the you know. it's it's just fascinates me that all these companies or groups or corporations that bring their conferences or their, or their sporting events or whatever to the city from, from outside. Mm -hmm. Um, and you're you're still able to partner with local organizations, small businesses, mom and pop shops all the way up to corporate clients. And I just think that that's really cool. It's, it's, like you said, it, it makes Minnesota really special to be able to include everybody and to, <laughs> to work with everybody. I think that's really cool. Yes. So um, thanks for chatting with us about that. Thank you. All right. So yes. now. Trivia? This is the, yes, trivia? Okay. Yes, this is the time where we, we play a little game. Okay. So I'm going to ask you three questions. Oh, boy. Um, they won't be too difficult. Okay. They're typically about Minnesota or current happenings. I think most of them today are all about Minnesota. Okay. So you've lived here long enough. Yes, I I think I you can probably so. answer all, all of them. All right. Me. And then for everyone that you get right, um, we will, we make a, a donation to house of charity, Oh my goodness. which is yep. a local nonprofit I'm uh, familiar, that, yeah, yep. that helps people, um, achieve independence, which, so it's a really, it's an organization that's close to Charles heart. And so,
1: so um, I really can't mess this up.
0: Well, you know, I don't, we'll, we'll help you along okay, the way. Okay. okay. You ready? Okay. I'm ready. All right. Here's number one. Which of Minnesota's 67, which is a very fascinating number, state parks is the most visited
1: oh um that's hot. It's right by the airport okay minnehaha no oh that's fort it's, snelling yes okay
0: fort snelling they were i didn't realize there were that many state parks in minnesota
1: well I think i feel like minnesota is a big state right. and in the northern that's right there's half, only room for state parks yes there's a lot of <laughs> land <laughs> all right good
0: number two in 1988 twin cities based Northwest Airlines was the first major airline to ban what? Smoking. Yes. Wow, that was fast. Fast response. <laughs> um, all right. Except you know. on
1: international flights probably. Oh, probably. Yeah. Um, I remember that. Yeah. It's, it was gross.
0: <laughs> that's a a long time to be yeah. stuck in a cabin with cigarette smoke.
1: And it, it was two specific seats. You got to like if you sat in this this two like in one row, you could smoke. I remember that. Interesting. Mm -hmm.
0: I just think it's funny. Some of the airplanes now, I'm getting off topic. (laughs) I was just on a flight last week, had the ashtray still Uh in the back of the airplane. Like,
1: how old is this plane? I'm like, no Mm -hmm. one's been smoking on these Mm -hmm. planes for 20 years. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) All right. Number three, a statue of a legendary TV icon whose widely popular TV show was based in Minneapolis sits at the corner of 7th Street and Nicollet Mall in downtown Minneapolis. Name that team, Mary star.
1: Tyler Moore. Yeah, and I know that because when Nicolette Mall was under construction uh, over the last couple of years and just reopened about a year ago, Mary Tyler Moore actually lived inside at the Minneapolis uh, Meet Minneapolis Visitor Center on Fifth. Really? And mm-hmm. So oh. when she passed away, that was actually while she w- while the statue was in our space. So we actually had national media come in. To um, um, talk yeah, about she her. was
0: a very she popular did die, icon, right? I mean, she did. Yeah, okay, she's, yeah, she. Yeah,
1: she passed What if? What if she didn't?
0: <laughs> well, she,
1: I can <laughs> guarantee she's probably not going to. There was something podcast. where they brought flowers. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, good. That was fun. See, all three. There you go. Thank you. Thanks for playing with Yo, us. No, thank you. So yeah, again. Great work that you guys are doing, and um, you know we're really excited to see what the city can bring. I mean, awesome. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me. It was great.
0: Thanks for stopping in with us today. For more information about these podcasts or to learn more about the organization behind them, visit us online at www.troust.com. I'm your host, Dietrich Jessen, and we look forward to welcoming you back to our next episode of Invisible Giants. Cheers.